fuckers and fuckettes, welcome to the MoFo Show. So I think uh, we need to get back on that road to self-esteem. Part a deuce version 2.0. Oh, my friend, I don't know what the fuck accent I just tried to pull out. But hey, sometimes I get stupid with it. You just never know with me. So hey, we're going to, again, drop bombs, big old fat knowledge bombs out of my B2 for Mr. Saul McLeod. He's probably like Dr. Saul McLeod. He's going to stab me in the face for not you know, giving those views. Uh, he is with www.simplypsychology.org. That's where I've uh, referenced a couple articles from him. We talked about Maslow last episode. And today I want to get into conditions of work. Now... This shit's pretty dry, and I try not to make shit really dry, but it's important to understand, I think, moving forward for any of us that are challenged with self-esteem. So without further ado, I'm going to jump right up into this motherfucker and actually just read you Mr. McLeod's fucking article. So he's talking about Carl Rogers. Carl Rogers was a humanistic psychologist. I don't know what the hell that means. It's just another uh, practice theory, whatever, like, if you're really into that, Google it. I don't know. He's just another brand of person trying to help people with brain shit. So Carl Rogers was a humanistic psychologist who agreed with the main assumptions of Abraham Maslow. However, Rogers added that for a person to grow, they need an environment that provides them with genuineness, openness and self-disclosure, acceptance, being seen with unconditional positive regard, and empathy, being listened to and understood. Without these, relationships and healthy personalities will not develop as they should. Much like a tree, it will not grow without sunlight and water. Rogers believed that every person could achieve their goals, wishes, and desires in life when, or rather if they did so, self-actualization took place. This was one of Carl Rogers' most important contributions to psychology, and for a person to reach their potential, a number of factors must be satisfied. Self-actualization. Rogers rejected the deterministic nature of both psychoanalysis and behaviorism and maintained that we behave as we do because of the way we perceive our situation. As no one else can know how we perceive, we are the best experts on ourselves. Carl Rogers believed that humans have one basic motive, and that is the tendency to self-actualize, to fulfill one's potential and achieve the highest level of human being as we can. Like a flower that will grow to its full potential if the conditions are right, but which is constrained by its environment so people will flourish and reach their potential if their environment is not good enough. However, unlike a flower, the potential of the individual human is unique and we are meant to develop in different ways according to our personality. Rogers believed that people are inherently good and creative. They become destructive only when poor self-concept or external constraints override the valuing process. Carl Rogers believed that for a person to achieve self-actualization, they must be in a state of congruence. This means that self-actualization occurs when a person's ideal self, i.e., who they would like to be is congruent with their actual self or with their actual behavior, which is self-image. So who do you want to be and who do you believe you are? That's the fight right there. That is the fight right there. I wanted to be Han Solo. I'm not Han Solo. 
Rogers describes an individual who is actualizing as a fully functioning person. The main determinant, determinant of whether he will become self-actualized is childhood experience. Rogers believed that every person could achieve their goal. This means that the person is in touch with the here and now or his subjective experiences and feelings continually growing and changing. In many ways, Rogers regarded the fully functioning person as an ideal and one that people do not ultimately achieve. It is wrong to think of this as an end or completion of life's journey, rather that it is a process of always becoming and changing. Rogers identified five characteristics of the fully functioning person. Number one, open to experience, both positive and negative emotions accepted. Negative feelings are not denied, but worked through, rather than resorting to ego defense mechanisms. Holy shit, do I need to work on that? Because I don't deal with negative emotions. I just fucking floor that shit. I don't have time to deal with it. I also don't think I really deal with positive emotions because, again, like, I just try to stay in the middle. Nah, maybe, I don't know. This is a fun one for me because I got to figure this out. So, Number two, existential living, in touch with different experiences as they occur in life, avoiding prejudging and preconceptions. <laughs> Being able to live and fully appreciate the present, not always looking back to the past or forward to the future, i.e. living in the moment, right? So prejudging and preconception is hypervigilance for me. It's, I can't, well, okay, I'll say I'm struggling to let that go. I'm very much struggling. I am, I think, doing a better job of not looking to the future and not looking to the past. I'm not worried about, oh, when I get that next red popsicle i'm gonna be all right or oh my god i never got that red popsicle you know what fuck the popsicle i'll worry about the popsicle when i'm standing in front of the goddamn freezer if i'm not then i'm gonna go to the goddamn grocery store but you see what i'm saying like we can't hang ourselves in the past and we can't miss life because we're dreaming of the future and not it's good to have dreams like yeah man i have things i want to do but never Ah, you know, like, I just, I always equate it to, to being in class in elementary school and just watching the seconds go by on the clock, although that was probably being really present, but I was so worried about that bell ringing so I could go freaking play Star Wars or G.I. Joe or whatever we were doing that day that I missed all those minutes. I missed every single minute. Granted, I'm talking about elementary school, like, the class probably wasn't that important. Maybe I should, you know, why wasn't I drawing? Why wasn't, you know, do something be in that moment and don't waste it thinking about the future all right letter three trust feelings feelings instincts and gut reactions are paid attention to and trusted people's own decisions are the right ones and we should trust ourselves to make the right choices that's hard for people with low self-esteem very hard because our our Gut actions are always going to portray, you know, gut reactions are always going to portray negative imagery, negative thoughts, because we don't have anything positive to, to pull from that. Number four, creativity. Creative thinking and risk-taking are features of a person's life. A person does not play safe all the time. This involves the ability to adjust and change and seek new experiences. Letter five, a fulfilled life. A person is happy and satisfied with life and always looking for new challenges and experiences. For Rogers, fully functioning people are well-adjusted, well-balanced, and interested to know. Interesting to know. Often such people are high achievers in society. 
Critics claim that the fully functioning person is a product of the Western culture. In other cultures, such as the Eastern cultures, the achievement of the group is valued more highly than the achievement of any one person. Personality development. Central to Rogers' personality theory is the notion of self or self-concept. This is defined as the organized, consistent set of perceptions and beliefs about oneself. The self is the humanistic term for who we really are as a person. The self is our inner personality and can be likened to the soul or Freud's psyche. The self is influenced by the experiences a person has in their life and out interpretations of those experiences. Two primary sources that influence our self-concept are childhood experiences and evaluation by others. We want to feel, experience, and behave in ways which are consistent with our self-image and which reflect what we would like to be, like our ideal self. The closer our self-image and ideal self are to each other, the more consistent or congruent we are and the higher our sense of self-worth. A person is said to be in a stage of incongruence if some of the totality of their experience is unacceptable to them and is denied or distorted in the self-image. Guys, that's the one right there. A person is said to be in a state of incongruence if some of the totality of their experience is unacceptable to them and is denied or distorted in the self-image. I know of so many people that that directly stems from. I've, I've heard stories of things that happen and you just know that that person is living so out of congruence carrying the pain of something they did that did not line up and match with who they were. Oh, it's terrible to see. It's terrible to see. And that's me. I'm not sitting here like judging from my little freaking desk in the dungeon here. No, I'm, I'm ripping shit that's on me. The humanistic approach states that the self is composed of concepts unique to ourselves. These self-concept includes three components. Self-worth, self-worth or self-esteem, comprises what we think about ourselves. Rogers believed that feelings of self-worth developed in early childhood and were formed from the interaction of the child with the mother and the father. Self-image, how we see ourselves, which is important to good psychological health. Self-image includes the influence of our body image on inner personality. At a simple level, we might perceive ourselves as a good or bad person, beautiful or ugly. Self-image affects how a person thinks, feels, and behaves in the world. Ideal self. This is the person who we would like to be. It consists of our goals and ambitions in life and is dynamic, i.e. forever changing. The ideal self in childhood is not the ideal self in our teens or late 20s, etc. Positive regard and self-worth. Rogers viewed the child as having two basic needs, positive regard from other people and self-worth. How we think about ourselves, our feelings of self-worth are the fundamental importance both to the psychological health and the likelihood that we can achieve goals and ambitions in life and achieve self-actualization. Self-worth may be seen as a continuum from very high to very low. For Rogers, a person who has high self-worth, that is, has confidence and positive feelings about him or herself, faces challenges in life, accepts failure and unhappiness at times, and is open with people. A person with low self-worth may avoid challenges in life, 
not accept that life can be painful and unhappy at times, and will be defensive and guarded with other people. Rogers believed feelings of self-worth developed in early childhood and were formed from the interaction of the child with the mother and father. As the child grows older, interactions with significant others will affect feelings of self-worth. Rogers believed that if we needed to be regarded positively by others, we need to feel valued, respected, treated with affection and love. Positive regard is to do with how other people evaluate and judge us in social interaction. Rogers made a distinction between unconditional positive regard and conditional positive regard. These are the two that just trip me up when I read these. They just, mm, right, the feels, right? Unconditional positive regard. Where parents and significant others in the humanist therapist accepts and loves the person for what he or she is. Positive regard is not withdrawn if the person does something wrong or makes mistakes. The consequences of unconditional positive regard are that the person feels free to try things out and make mistakes, even though this may lead to getting it worse at times. People who are able to self-actualize are more likely to have received unconditional positive regard from others, especially their parents and children. Conditional positive regard. Conditional positive regard is where positive regard, praise, and approval depend upon the child, for example, behaving in ways that the parent thinks correct. Hence, the child is not loved for the person he or she is, but on condition that he or she behaves in ways approved by the parents. At the extreme, a person who constantly seeks approval from other people is likely only to have experienced conditional positive regard as a child. I think it's very interesting that I'm sitting here talking into a microphone looking for all everyone's approval. Let that sink in. At the extreme, a person who constantly seeks approval from other people is likely only to have experienced conditional positive regard as a child. Shit just slaps me in the face. Congruence. A person's ideal self may not be consistent with what actually happens in life and experiences of the other person. Hence, a difference may exist between a person's ideal self and actual experience. This is called incongruence. When a person's ideal self and actual experience are consistent or very similar, a state of congruence exists. Rarely, if ever, does a total state of congruence exist. All people experience a certain amount of incongruence. So basically what we got is we got the two circles, right? Self-image and ideal self. How close can we mash those together? You know, how much of that lines up where we're where we're seeing the overlap? Because the overlap is where we want to be. That's the ideal self. The development of congruence is dependent on unconditional positive regard. Carl Rogers believed that for a person to achieve self-actualization, they must be in a state of congruence. According to Rogers, we want to feel, experience, and behave in ways which are consistent with our self-image and which reflect what we would like to be like our ideal self. The closer our self-image and ideal self are to each other, the more consistent or congruent we are and the higher our sense of self-worth. A person is said to be in a state of incongruence if some of the totality of their experiences is unacceptable to them or is denied or distorted in the self-image. Welcome to my world. Incongruence is a discrepancy between the actual experience of the organism in the self-picture of the individual insofar as it represents that experience. As we prefer to see ourselves in ways that are consistent with our self-image, we may use defense mechanisms like denial or repression in order to feel less threatened by some of what we consider to be our undesirable feelings. A 
Persons whose self-concept is incongruent with his or her real feelings and experiences will defend because the truth hurts. Man, does that truth hurt? So now put this in perspective. Who do you want to be? Who is your ideal self? Where, where, where do you think you should be? Who do you, what do you think you should have done? Are you capable of doing these things? Have you done anything to do these things? Can we not do these things because we know we will fail? This leads me to a lot of self-reflection. I really hope it, it helps you hop on a little self-reflection and really sit down and try to figure out who do you want to be? Where are you? What have you done? And really look through that. Are we as bad as we think we are? We've talked about this. Things are never as bad as we think they are. Things are never as good as we think they are either. Live in that moment. Be aware of what's going on. Kick the tires. Light the fires. Go fast as fuck and don't die. You know what? 